Welcome to Insights. This is Paul Ellis, Managing Director of Ellis Wealth Management, where we encourage you to invest in what you love. Ellis Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm focused on planning, advice, coaching, and investment management. We are dedicated to the families we serve, and we encourage you to invest in what you love. Within Insights, we look at ways to make our world richer through focusing on sharing, and developing human capital. All right, what a great day it is. My goodness, it is a terrific day, and I have with us today my friend Kenny Kasperbauer, Kenny is a recent graduate from the University of Washington. He's also a Team USA athlete for the Olympic sport Sprint Canoe. He has competed at numerous international events, such as the World Championships, in addition to many domestic races, including the U.S. Olympic Trials and eight national championships. Some primary accolades also include holding three American records for junior under-23 and senior age categories in the 200-meter, which I believe is the shortest competitive distance. Also included are 21 gold medals, 52 total medals at the national championships. In the vein of competition and athletics, Kenny has also worked as a coach, both at his hometown and on the U.S. team. From a professional lens, Kenny will be working at Deloitte in downtown Seattle uh, this fall after the conclusion of this year's athletic season. And scholastically, he's an 11-time recognized Dean List member, and he has been part of Phi Chi Theta, the business uh, fraternity at the University of Washington. Kenny, that's a lot to do in a short period of time. (laughs) <laughs> thank you so much paul thank you, you you are driven wow wow hey well many people don't know what this sprint canoe sport is um and you've obviously excelled at it can you explain a little bit about that yeah for sure so sprint canoe is uh i guess i'll back up there's canoeing in the olympics and that's divided into two different disciplines. There's slalom and then there's sprint. Slalom is a lot like slalom skiing. You're going between gates, except instead of going down a hill in the snow, you're going through a river or artificial, um, well, there's man-made and um, natural rivers that they go down. However, there's the sprint side, which is the, the sport I do. And within that sprint, there's two categories. There's canoeing and there's kayaking. Uh, the main goal is to go, you know, as fast as you possibly can down a race course in a straight line. Uh, typically, there's nine boats in a race. And um, the main difference between canoe and kayak is kayak, you know, you're sitting down in a boat, um, have a double-bladed paddle, but the boat is ex- extremely long. It's 17 feet long, and it's very narrow, uh, maybe a foot and a half, two feet wide. Um, and then canoeing, you're... Or sorry, kneeling on a knee, 
um, almost like you're in a proposing to someone. You have one knee down, one leg in front, and you have a single bladed paddle, and you only paddle on one side. There's no rudder involved, so there's a steering element at the end of your stroke that you got to incorporate, and it's extremely technical, extremely, um, I, I'd say, difficult as far as balance because your center of gravity is so much higher above the water. And then you introduce wind and, and different conditions, um, and the sport can get very, very technically um, challenging at times. So um, it's been in the Olympics since 1936. Um, it's not as well-known of a sport in the U.S., I'd say, um, but you go to over to Europe, to countries like Germany, Russia, Ukraine, um, any of those countries, it's a huge, huge sport. I believe it's one of the national sports of Hungary, um, canoe, kayak, and water polo. Um, I believe are the two top sports in Hungary. So very well-known internationally, um, but like I said, um, it's, it's a tough sport. Just just balancing on one knee for me <laughs> would be a sport. That's that's amazing that you have to be down, like you said, in a, uh, a like in a propose like you're proposing, right? And right. the 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 paddle only has one blade. So are you kind of having to go on one side and then the other side, one side and the other side, and then you're having to guide or rudder after each stroke? Did I get that correct? Yeah, but actually for us. Um, for canoeing, you're only paddling on one side. So um, oh. I've been paddling for close to 10 years now. And so I've paddled on the right, so I've only ever paddled you know, on the right side. So um, canoers okay. tend to be way more unbalanced than kayakers. But um, honestly, just throw into Google, you know, sprint canoe for anyone listening. Um, it's it's kind of challenging to explain, but uh, pictures pictures really do justice. Wow. Um, and explain, explain well how it is. Well, what influenced, what influenced you to get into this field? This question. Um, I was, let's see, this is 2011 and I was 13 at the time and it was summertime. There was a summer camp going on and my buddy, he had his older sister on the team and he goes, Hey Kenny, like I have to go to the summer camp, um, for, you know, down the Harbor or, you know, down the body water that we train at. And he goes, um, I have to go to this. Like, you should come along. I think like you may like it. And, you know, me being a, a very, you know, normal middle schooler at the time, I was like, no, I just want to sit home, you know, stay on my butt and play video games all day. <laughs> and my mom was like, there's absolutely not a chance you're going to be doing that all summer. She goes, you're going to this camp. And so she made me go. And I ended up falling in love with it. Um, I think that challenging aspect, the the technical element, the balance element, um, the endurance element, you know, all all three of those things are, are so integral to the sport. And I, I really like that challenge because um, the boats are also incredibly um, unstable. Mm. It took me took me about a year to be able to stay up in a boat with with good comfort. Um, the first like two months, first month, you're just falling in one time after another as you progress through, um, you start with a wider boat and progressively you'll, you'll go to a narrower boat to one of the, the main racing, um, regulation size. So, um, it's, it's challenging. It's, it's, it's very tricky to start off with. It would seem so. And that's, so it was an invitation 
to not stay home all summer <laughs> that, yeah. that that uh, literally got you off of your seat and onto one knee and that's that's what's kind of propelled you into this sport what are some of the challenges that you just that you faced when you started out what were some of the challenges you faced man uh there's a lot but i think brooding that that cold winter that was january february months in in washington state those were certainly hard um if it's raining, it's windy, the water, we paddled in, I'm from Gig Harbor, so we're paddling in um, the Puget Sound. So the water is really cold as well. So you're all bundled up and then you fall in and now you're you're almost an icicle. Um, but you got to get back in the boat, finish finish the workout or finish, you know, the session. Um, so I, I think that balance aspect and, and brooding through the winter um uh, yeah, those were those were pretty big challenges for me at the time. So when you you, you started the sport, you're here in Washington. Um, is was there any support regarding the sport in in our state? Or did no? You- um, well, there are. So it's not a high school sport. It's typically organized through clubs. Mm-hmm. Like you'll have like you know swimming clubs, rowing clubs the same thing for us so um there's a club in Geek harbor there's a club in seattle there's a club in kenmore you know so kind of peppered all over the u.s however um outside of those clubs you don't really get much support uh like i previously mentioned it's it's um pretty it's not well known in the u.s so the united states olympic committee um because it's a smaller sport doesn't allocate very much funding um, to our sport. So, you know, for example, if, if you're going to compete at, you know, the senior world championships, the highest level of competition behind the Olympics, and, um, you know, you might, you're the top person in the country. However, you're not, you're pretty much going to be paying for that trip out of pocket. Or, you know, let's say you're at a training station in Europe, uh, and you're trying to get to the venue. And it's not, uh, not uncommon for the coach to turn around and, uh, but the ticket stub and say, all right, who's, who's getting this one? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that element of, of lack of support is, is tricky. Um, and it's, it's hard for some, well, it's hard for a lot of people to, to stay motivated um, to do a sport that, you know, you love, but also is, is hard to do um, financially. So um, it, it takes a lot of self-motivation too. Uh, a lot of my teammates, I respect, respect them so much um, because they've been in the paddling for so long. Are you, are you going to, are you competing or getting ready to compete in the up, next upcoming Olympics? Um, I'd certainly like to. Um, it's very tricky with the COVID situation. Um, and I guess also I'd like to, I should back up and explain a little bit of the foundation. So um, I do the 200 meter or I previously did. And, there are three total distances. There's a 200 meter, a 500 meter, and a thousand meter. The 200 meter was um, thrown into the Olympics in 2012 and 2016, but they recently took it out to um, give more races. Um, women's canoe was never had a race in the Olympics. It was never a sport. Um, so there was men's kayak, men's canoe, women's kayak but women's canoe was never in the Olympics. So in the wake of a, you know, the global, you know, equality movement, 
thank God they added women's canoe to the Olympics. But in doing so, they had to pick and pull different events out of the Olympics to make room for that. So one of the events they pulled out was the event that I did. So um, it's tricky in the sense that I would have to change to be, you know, a distance athlete. The 200 meter takes about 40 seconds long to complete. 1,000 meters more, you know, 345, four minutes long. Uh, so it's quite substantially different. So um, we'll see how we just finished Olympic trials here. Um, me and my partner from Gig Harbor, we got a gold medal in the, the double thousand race, which is um, the which is an Olympic distance. So if we get allocated a quota um, by the Olympic Committee and our you know International Canoe Federation, then we would get a ticket to the Olympics. Though it's not. It's not super lucky or likely. Um, I, I don't want to hype that up much. It's it's likely I, I won't, but um, there's certainly a chance. Okay. Now, if if listeners are interested, um, can is there a petition process? I mean, can people say, "Hey, we'd like to see this in the Olympics. We'd like to see this particular race in the Olympics." Um, I I've tried. Um, I've, I've emailed a lot of people, uh, in the International Canoe Federation to try and, try and at least voice the opinion of me and a lot of my competitors. Um, because they also, um, just took out the 200 meter for the C1 or the men's canoe entirely for this year. Um, and that, I figured that out, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I think they have a grand scheme to move everyone to a uniform distance. Um, so I think by, um, what is it? LA in 2028, that Olympic games, I imagine they're going to have all uniform distances. So I think everyone is going to be racing 500 meter. So I, I believe they're shifting, um, moving the shells around now mm-hmm. in advance. So it's not, you know, a quick sudden change right before the Olympics. And it gives time athletes, time for athletes to acclimate to that, that longer or that, you know, that new distance. Interesting. Interesting. Well, if people are interested, um, you know, like whether it's short uh, track uh, speed skating, you know, that race um, or, you know, canoe, sprint canoe, um, you know, they do have an opportunity to send emails or write letters. And I would encourage them to do so. Right. Because they also want to put on events that people are going to be watching. Right. And if they get exactly. if they get feedback that people may want to watch something, that's more eyeballs on, you know, on the screen. Right. So that would be right. my, that would be my suggestion um, that if people are interested uh, and they should be interested in Sprint Canoe, that they that they write that would that would be that would be my suggestion outside of outside of sprint canoe what do you have a passion for because i can see you're you're obviously um dedicated to the sport um you're a winner at it uh but you're 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 a winner when it comes to you know scholastic efforts uh and you and i met at uh, a phi chai theta business fraternity um workshop Seminar. I, I, we, we, that's where we met a few years ago. So, outside of sprint canoe, 
what else are you interested in or do you have a passion for? Yeah. Um, I guess to kind of back up, um, as you mentioned in the bio, I, I recently graduated from the University of Washington uh, with a, a degree in, in finance. So um, I guess the last four years, it's, it's been really tricky to balance, um, you know, doing athletics and also doing, um, you know, the scholastic efforts. And one thing that, that really um, I found was challenging for me and not so much others was, you know, we are summer sports. So um, I'd be training through the year and come summer, come the end of school, I would almost always immediately go home and start training for, you know, the under 23 world championship or, you know, whatever the national championship, uh, whatever race was coming up. Whereas all my peers would be doing, you know, internships, jobs, um, job shadowing. So there was that challenge that I realized about two years into college, I go, all my peers have, you know, internship experience, all these, these things that, um, stand out to recruiters. Um, you know, certainly athletics do, but, um, I, I remember seeing a crazy statistic that it was like 97% of resumes are read or scanned and rather than not read by a recruiter. So only 3% of recruiters actually physically read through resumes. Hmm. And that's just, you know, a result of, you know, being in the digital age. So I realized, you know, my resume is not going to get pinged if I don't have, you know, the word internship or, you know, these, these keywords that these computer programs are looking up. So I made it, you know, a decision to try extremely hard to differentiate through doing, you know, business competitions, case competitions, uh, a lot of networking. So, Mm -hmm. you know, reaching out to, you know, going to events, um, and, you know, going up to the speaker at the end of the event, asking for their, you know, their business card and coordinating a, a coffee, um, you know, chat or a phone call or, you know, whatever it may be. And that's kind of where I, I started to differentiate um, or at least, you know, gain some ground back on my peers. Um, and honestly, balancing all of that with school and, and training was, it took a lot of my time. Um, but, you know, outside of that, it's, you know, the normal hanging out with friends um, and just do anything that, you know, I enjoy doing um, with my time off. Um, my dad always said, when I was growing up, he goes, your day, your time in a day is, is like a dinner plate. He goes, you can only put so much food until things start rolling off the top. <laughs> so if you have, you know, a full plate of food and, you know, you put an extra scoop of broccoli on top, and you try and put, you know, a, a biscuit on top, that's going to fall off. And moreover, you know, what he's trying to say is you only have so much time in the day. You can only allocate so much of that to your different resources. Um, so I, I tried also very hard to be, you know, time efficient and be really well at that, you know, time management. Um, because I knew I only had a finite number of hours in a day and I had to make, make them count. You know, this this viewpoint that you are sharing really is important for everyone. I mean, you put your finger on a real challenge that we're in a digital age and that, that can become a barrier, right? It can become a barrier to connections. And 
going low tech can be a terrific way of getting around those challenges. Right? Uh, let's sit down. Let's yeah, have a cup absolutely. of coffee. You know, walk, taking the moment to walk up to a speaker after an event. Um, you know, collecting a business card, following up with them. Right. Um, right. And it, it, it's kind of daunting. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like I, at first I was, I'm terrified. I was, I was like, Oh, you know, maybe they, you know, maybe there's, there might be a superiority complex. Like there's these really, you know, talented, you know, really great individuals at what they do. And I'm just some college kid. Why would they, you know, want to spend the time to talk to me? But it's just having that confidence to, you know, to go up and go, hey, like, can I get your number? I'd love to chat with you sometime for, you know, 15, 20 minutes and, and just ask a little bit more about your career or I learn more about you. And almost every time, you know, they're absolutely, they're they're happy to talk. And I, Paul, that's actually how, how we first met. Yes, it is. That's exactly how we met. And I was really impressed with your coming up and, and speaking with me and, and uh, your peers as well. I mean, your, your peers in, in, uh, in the business fraternity, I think, have been some of the best uh, that I've ever come across, right? Um, right. But, this, uh, but I, I love how you had a plan. You see a challenge, and you come up with a plan on, on how to overcome that challenge. Right. And right. and to you, uh, that getting outside of getting outside of your comfort zone is number one. Uh, and number two is sticking out your hand and saying, hey, um, I'm my name's Kenny and I, I'd like to follow up with you. And it, and you and you're doing it with a purpose. I mean, that purpose is, is that you want to you want to create a relationship um, that can go beyond you know, that glass ceiling or, or that digital fence. And I think that's terrific. The other component that you mentioned is time management. Um, I've never thought about it being that plate of food where you can pile on so much and then things start to roll off. All right. Um, right. And it gives you an idea. What, what do you want on your plate? That that's, that's a terrific, terrific word picture. So it sounds like your dad was a pretty big influence in your life. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I would certainly say so. But I mean, in that vein, you know, I can't go out without saying, you know, credit to my mom as well. Um, she's been as much or more of a role model as well. And you know, both mom and dad have been so helpful growing up. What insights did your mom share with you? Oh man, so much. Um, really just such a good caring loving figure and you know coming home every day you know with the rigors of training and school um and the stresses of life and having that that constant rock at home man it, it means the world to me and i can't i can't always speak to to that extent um which i appreciate it goes beyond words um how much i appreciate her Moms are the fuel. They're the they're the fuel behind the scenes for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me ask you, I mean, you've obviously been successful in so many different areas. What's next for Kenny? Where what are you what are you looking at next and where do you want to go? Um so after the conclusion of this athletic season, I'm gonna start working at Deloitte. 
um, it's, it's going to be interesting transitioning from an athletic background to a professional background. I, I know there's a lot of similarities, um, I'm sure, but it's, it's a different mindset. Um, and, and that, that mindset's like a huge thing that I really, really, really work on um, in athletics. So, you know, I like to think of it, so I'll, I'll, I'll paint a picture. I'll, I'll say a story. If, let's say you're in the Olympics and you're an Olympic weightlifter and you're doing the clean and jerk, which is where you hoist the bar from the ground to your shoulders and then from your shoulders to overhead. And let's say you're sitting there and you have, you know, 400 pounds on your shoulders and this, you know, hoisting overhead, the jerk, um, is going to decide if you make this lift, you're going to get a medal. You're going to podium at the Olympics and your life probably, uh, will, will change, you know, immensely. And, you know, everyone has doubt. Everyone has, you know, you may think you don't have doubt or, you, you know, maybe you recognize you do, but I think everyone has always a little bit of doubt um, kind of baked into their minds. And um, because, I mean, at the end of the day, our bodies aren't programmed to do with what, you know, we're uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. Our bodies always want to do with, with what's comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, let's go back to the example. You have 400 pounds. Um, you know, there's a bunch of, you know, backstage, there's a bunch of all your competitors or all of these big, you know, gnarly looking bears. Um, and you're in front of a stage, all the spotlights are on you. Uh, you can't really see the crowd, but you know, you know, there's 500 people behind there and there's all the chatter. There's all the noise. How do you calm yourself down in that situation and nail that lift? You know, some people can say, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll just try my best. But, like I said, there's always going to be that doubt. So, you know, when I'm, you know, training for world championships, that mindset is what I really work on. I try and visualize. I try and prepare myself mentally as much as I possibly can. So when race day, there's no unfamiliar feelings. So, you know, in this example, 400 pounds on your shoulders, you're about to hoist it overhead. I've done all that or, you know, I'll, I'll try to do all that, you know, visualization, um, you know, work and training prepare myself for that moment um so you know that's that's from an athletic lens so you know going back to your question you said what's next for me um i said i'll be working but i think the the challenge for me um and part of the fun of working is going to be figuring out how to apply that you know idea to a professional side so Mm -hmm. um i'm sure that you know it's definitely going to be a different environment you know working you know, all day, um, you know, most of the week, but it, I think I, I would, I imagine it's going to be a very similar mindset. Um, and you know, it just, it'll be different certainly. Um, but for me, I think that challenge and that, that excitement is, is going to be learning how to apply that same principle to, uh, you know, professional lens. It's, it, it is indeed. And it is, it's a, uh, it's a discipline that a lot of people don't want to participate in, right? And once again, it'll it'll help separate you from uh, your competition because people generally like to sit on the couch. And while they're you know when they're younger, they may play video games. When they're older, they may be channel surfing, right? Um, but you know both of w- w- whether or not you're working on athletically, you know, for sprint canoe or whether you're mentally visually 
um, preparing yourself for a project, those are not passive things. Those are active things, right? And, uh, and things in motion and people in motion tend to stay in motion and you are in motion. My friend, you are a guy who is, uh, definitely, definitely on the move. So if people want to support you, um, with your athletic, uh, Olympic vision and focus, how can they get in touch with you? Um, do you have a website? Do you have LinkedIn? Um, is there is there some sort of coordinate that people can reach out to you and say, "Hey, I want to get behind you and I want to support you"? Oh man, um, it it can be anything. Um, I primarily, you know, LinkedIn is is one. Email is another one. K Casper zero one at gmail dot com. Um, or, you know, over Instagram, um, it doesn't need to be formal or informal. I I don't, I don't mind at all. Um, but those are the the main channels I really use a lot or Facebook as well. Um, but like I said, there's, there's so many things to, to mindset that I'm working, have worked on and working on. Um, so, I mean, if anyone ever has any questions, by all means, you know, reach out. I, you know, I'm an open book. Um, and, you know, I'd be happy to share any any additional stuff um, for people that are curious. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll take your, your coordinates. We'll put them in the show notes. And, uh, you know, people, if they want to if they want to support uh, you doing great things and get behind, uh, you know, Kenny and Team USA, um, then they can reach out to you and and uh, support you that way. OK, thank you. Well, Kenny, Kenny, man, this has been absolutely terrific. I want to thank you. I want to thank our listeners. And I want to encourage everyone to continue to invest in what you love.